Hello and welcome to the Trusted Tech Talks Cloud and DevOps podcast series with your host Lloyd Lawson and I'll be joined today by David Stockton who's the engineering manager from Confluent to take a deep dive into Confluent and the technologies driven behind the business. David, um, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Uh, hi, so I'm David, uh, one of the engineering managers at Confluent. Um, I look after the cloud infrastructure teams based here in the EU. Um, we have a cloud platform that's about um, four and a half years old, and um, we've got three teams, a couple of them focused around Kubernetes, one of them focused on cloud storage, um, and that's my current role. Historically, uh, I like to call myself a classically trained software engineer. Uh, I went to university, studied software engineering, uh, really enjoyed getting into the deep internals of software engineering. Um, started off uh, young as a, a set-top box user interface um, developer, moved into e-commerce systems, big data search, financial services, and built out a lot of cloud platforms, did a huge amount of consulting work um, on massive Java systems, um, things like garbage collection tuning and um, looking at all sorts of different technologies that interlink with um, enterprise Java systems. Um, and then um, found myself at, at Confluent. Um, so for those that don't know Confluent, it's the company that was founded by the creators of Apache Kafka. Um, so his, its history is um, at LinkedIn um, and then spun off into Apache Kafka and public open source. Um, and then Confluent offer um, both an enterprise version of, of Kafka with additional features and um, also uh, hosting that uh, on public cloud as a SaaS offering and all the professional services and um, rigor that you'd expect that go along with that. Um, so that's what I'm currently doing is looking after um, the teams that look after that cloud infrastructure. Nice. Okay. You mentioned quite a lot of the sort of technologies that are driven behind the business there. Um, I guess going into a couple of them at the moment, um, I know we've had a chat previously, but Kubernetes is quite a big thing for you guys at the moment. Yeah, so our cloud platform is completely based on top of Kubernetes. So yeah, really, really big platform for us, as in thousands of Kubernetes clusters. Um, we operate across the three major public clouds, so AWS, GCP, and Azure. Um, tens of thousands of instances, you know, very big um, set of machines to look after. Uh, we operate across lots of different regions. So we've got lots of really interesting scale challenges um, in terms of looking at cost management, um, most effective and performant ways of doing things, evaluating the new instance types and storage types that come along. Um, lots and lots of really interesting challenges in that sector. Um, I think one of the, the big things that when I talk to engineers that they expect, oh, okay, you know, this is going to be like 90% of the other cloud infrastructure roles out there. Um, you know, you're going to write some Terraform, uh, configure some YAML, deploy a few Helm charts, um, make some pipelines and, and connect them up and, and off you go, um, which, which is great. You know, that, that's no lesser a job, but I think that we're at a stage where we're far more dynamic and kind of almost outgrown Terraform in several ways. For example, if you want to go and request a dedicated Kafka cluster um, through our SaaS platform, and um, obviously we can't be 
um, waiting for an engineer to raise a PR and you know, having it approved and merged and running a CI pipeline on some Terraform, um, you know, it's a bit too slow. So we're really about much more dynamic. So interacting with cloud providers through their APIs to build up new VPCs, build up new Kubernetes clusters, um, extending them, managing the multiple node pools. Um, I guess for us and, and a potential sort of um, growth journey that we want to go on is becoming one of the largest Kubernetes um, users in the world. Um, you know, we've we've got a massive estate. We're doing some really interesting things with it, and uh, really getting into the the guts of how it works. Um, and that really goes across the whole company as well. Um, so we offer a Kubernetes operator for um, Confluent um, Kafka. Um, so it's really interesting to have that capability as well. So for those customers that wish to run on their own platform that we're supporting other customers kubernetes installations um but specifically obviously in, in the cloud and, and SaaS world that's something that i'm particularly focused on um, and we actually take the step to manage our kubernetes infrastructure through kubernetes itself um, so some of the listeners might have come across technologies like rancher or crossplane um, and these technologies allow you to um, have a CRD that defines a Kubernetes cluster itself. Um, so you create a new Kubernetes um, object that describes the Kubernetes cluster you want, um, and it will go and um, declaratively um, create it. So we have a declared Kubernetes cluster, and off it will go and create it and sit there reconciling and make sure that what we've asked for uh, is delivered. And that pattern is, is really fantastic in a cloud world where we're operating across multiple cloud providers, multiple regions. There's almost always some outage that you find across some system somewhere. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a full outage that makes it to the, the front page of, um, uh, of Y Combinator News or of reg, uh, the register or Slashdot or something. You know, there's plenty of little outages that happen. Um, and um, quite often we spot them all because we're creating a cluster in that region and perhaps KMS is down and, you know, 30 minutes later it's resolved. Um, but it's a really good pattern um, because that, that, um, that kind of retry reconcile pattern is, is really good. Um, so we're, we're almost eating our own dog food in um, you know, managing multiple Kubernetes clusters through Kubernetes itself, um, which is really interesting. Okay, great. Yeah, there's uh, quite a lot of involvement then on the Kubernetes side. So I guess with the programming um, languages, what what do you, uh, Confluent, mainly use? Uh, so uh, with Kafka and its um, ecosystem background being mostly in Java, um, but within the control plane and our, um, our software as a service offering, we're mostly focused on Golang. So all the engineers within my teams, um, they're Golang focused. Um, we don't always take on engineers who um, have Golang experience. That's not always the case. Um, some people join us without Golang experience. I think probably familiar story to most people in software engineering. If, if you find that top tech talent that um, they're quite interested in learning new languages, they typically have three, four, five languages under their belt. 
Um, I spoke to a candidate the other day that um, had over 30 languages um, <laughs> in a varied history, which was absolutely amazing. Um, and, and actually backed it up as well, not just, um, not just oh, yeah. playing it lip service, which was fantastic. <laughs> um, I, th- I think sometimes you can read a CV and, and wonder whether actually is all this true, but yeah. it's fantastic when you can back it up and answer questions on them, uh, which was brilliant. Um, so um, yeah, Go- Golang is our, our primary focus. Um, it's really good for writing Kubernetes operators, um, obviously Kubernetes itself written in Golang. Um, there's, um, there's the occasional bit of Python um, around. Um, there's um, is, I guess, pretty standard in any infrastructure world. You'll always find some bash scripts um, somewhere. Um, but yeah, Go, Golang is being the, the primary one. And I think for me, the when you look at the market, there's this always this sweet spot where you're looking for people that are, say, for example, SREs or software engineers, and they you want someone with infrastructure knowledge, but that can code as well. And you get the the one end of the people that have come from a sysadmin background and they're really good at the Terraform and the YAML and understanding under the hood what's happening with C groups and, and kernels and, and needing to deploy new drivers and things like that. And then you've got the other side where um, they've come from maybe more of a software engineering background and they're really good at making sure that um, you've got an identifiable set of um, tooling and services that uh, can manage your infrastructure and, and being really careful about those edge cases uh, and building up test cases. Um, I, I think that's one area where um, just looking at the whole ecosystem that is available for people that are dealing with infrastructure in public cloud, it, it's really, really difficult to automate tests. Most people tend to seem to create tests that generate the infrastructure really test it within the cloud and tear it down. And obviously that's a fantastic property that the cloud gives you, but it's also relatively slow. I think we, we've gone from this um, you know, phase maybe um, 15 plus years ago where, oh, it's really slow. You know, I've got to wait three days for a server to get shipped to me to this, oh, this is really slow. I've got to wait three minutes for an instance to start up. Um, and obviously that's a wonderful pull from serverless. I think we've also become a bit blind to, I don't really want to wait three minutes to start up an instance. I want my tests to complete faster than that, um, which is a wonderful place to be in, um, sort of being being a bit of an old guy now and, and seeing where the market's gone. Um, I think that's brilliant. But um, e- equally, you know, we can do better and we should strive to do better. And, and you know, it's tooling in that space that, that we can drive the forwards. Nice. And in regards to, I know you've touched on it there then, so you Confluent use all the major cloud providers? Yeah, so AWS, GCP, and Azure. Um, so we use their um, hosted Kubernetes offerings, so um, EKS, AKS, and GKE. Um, there's really interesting differences between them. Um, I think GCP and AWS are probably more similar in their offerings. Um, Azure has some slightly different concepts and, and ways of thinking about things, which are, are great in their own right. I think uh, it just depends on, on how you use them. Um, but then for us, obviously, working across all three cloud providers, um, that's a really interesting challenge. Um, do you want to build something that works exactly the same across all three or actually make the best use of the individual features per cloud and ab- abstract from that? 
I think that's always a really complicated balance. Um, you know, you really have to have engineers who understand those differences, as well as understanding what the business needs are. Um, I, I spoke earlier about sort of the balance between SREs and, and software engineers, but I think um, those mindsets of, of people that understand the business and not saying, you know what, I can spend three months and write this absolutely amazing thing when we can say, actually, maybe writing the thing that only takes a one month, maybe that's better. Um, you know, everything has its use. Um, so it's, it's a very, very difficult problem to look at, especially when you want to try and consider the market of where it might go and where might the business go. For example, if we take on AliCloud as um, a, a partner for our SaaS offering, what do we do there? Do we build something now that works for the current three major public cloud providers? And, and do we have to worry about the other one later or do we worry now? Um, then you've got huge issues around compliance and do we have to replicate um, control plane um, software between different regions and between different cloud providers? Um, it, it can be a minefield, but it's a really, really interesting challenge. Um, I think for me, some of the interesting challenges come around that level of scale. Um, previously, I'd look at scale and I think, you know, a few thousand instances, you know, I think this is really cool. This is good. You know, we've grown up from a company that's maybe doing 50 instances to looking at a company that's doing thousands of instances. And you think this is great. I've made it, you know, I'm, I'm working on really good scale. And then you start looking at actually, you know, I've moved to a company here that are doing tens of thousands of instances and the challenges are just, um, they just get massively more complex. Um, for example, to the point of sharding your AWS accounts um, or sharding your Azure subscriptions or similar in GCP projects because um, you're hitting limits per account. So then you go, okay, great, no problem. Let's work across multiple accounts. But then you hit problems where actually I can't share that data between multiple accounts because that's not a pattern or feature that exists in the cloud provider. So then you have to build something to share that data across cloud accounts. And it, it just gets really interesting, um, particularly with network transfer. Um, that can be some of the most complicated areas where you want to think about um, the costs and, and what's involved, because I think that that's, that can be a little bit opaque sometimes. Um, you really need to consider that. Typically, I find that most companies are interested in what their instance pricing are, and they'll start optimizing for things like reserved instance costs or looking at um, some intelligent bidding on spot pricing um, and things like that, which are great things to look at. Um, but then as a data platform, obviously we've got tons of data coming in and out. So it's really important that we look at that. Nice. Okay, so I know you've got quite a lot of the technologies there and obviously uh, Confluent use and what you guys are doing, I guess. For people out there that may be considering looking at joining um, your business, what would you say the key points are for, for joining the kind of main selling points? Yeah, um, I think like everywhere that they very often say, you know, we've got great benefits. I, I think you have to take that off the table almost and say, you know, we offer a great compensation. We offer great benefits. You know, I think when you're looking at the top tech talent that you really almost take that for given. Um, you know that that has to be the case that's how you're going to attract the top tech talent so I almost discount that for me the really interesting bits are uh, one we're building we're not maintaining we're not just keeping the lights on on a platform um, we've got a mix of greenfield and brownfield development but there are definitely new services 
the platform itself for the cloud platform is about four and a half, five years old. So there's still um, a lot of opportunities to stamp your mark on what that architecture looks like and building that out as we grow. Um, so I think being able to build something and, and have your say on how that's built out is important. Um, very much that this isn't the kinds of roles where uh, I, I mentioned Terraform and YAML config and, and writing CI/CD pipelines and things. I, don't get me wrong, not putting those roles down at all, but this is very much, uh, we're orchestrating so much um, at such a scale that we've, we've almost gone beyond some of those technologies um, and being able to effectively automate them. So uh, it's very much hands-on software engineering um, but with cloud infrastructure challenges and also the the teams that you work with and you know these kinds of challenges um, result in being interesting for the top engineers so working alongside other top engineers um, I saw a phrase um, in um, in some training earlier this week that said um, a talent hires other a talent whereas B talent hires C talent and I it really resonated with me and I thought back and I look at the team and they're absolutely all people that I would want to go to the pub and have a chat with and like yeah. enjoy personal time with as well as actually being phenomenally capable um, technologists. Um, I, I, I find it really difficult to describe people that they're not, you know, they're not software engineers, they're not site reliability engineers, um, you know, they're not sysadmins, that they're just such a breadth of technologists that they could stand their own with you know the top industry leaders uh, and, and typically they are top industry leaders and um, you know we've got book authors we've got um, people that work from a security engineering background that now are working on cloud infrastructure they come from such a varied background that you get all sorts of amazing skills um, so that for me uh, that, that was kind of my pull into the company that it was, um, you know, you take the compensation off the table and give that as a given that you're going to get an absolutely amazing package. What do you want after that? You want to work on interesting problems, work with interesting tech, um, be a, a really big scale because that's in, where interesting problems are. Um, yeah, working with great people. Um, yeah, what, what's not to like, really? Yeah. <laughs> You can work from anywhere as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. I think I, I think that's really become um, a highlight. I know we were talking about that just sort of before we started recording. Um, yeah, the the um, being able to work everywhere is a really interesting problem that companies now uh, they've gone through this COVID period where they've had to work remotely uh, and their processes and systems have had to adapt. Um, and in some ways it works, some ways it doesn't. Many companies are looking at going back to three, four day working weeks. So I think that alone shows that both candidates are interested in that model of working, but also that companies are aware that um, they have to adapt and that they have to fit with that model. And um, for us at Confluent, we had a huge proportion of the company that worked remotely 100% of the time even pre-COVID. So our processes and systems really work in that model anyway. Um, it, it was really interesting for me that as a company, we um, our head office um, is out in California and we were one of the early companies to decide to close our offices um, for sort of the safety of all the employees. Um, and I remember that the CEO, um, who, who typically has a lot of pull to a company, um, 
was one of the last people out and it's really easy you know he picks up his laptop he goes home and later that day we're having you know a thousand plus people on a zoom call and it's not one of those where you know can you all mute please and uh can someone press the next button for the next slide you know it just works we're yeah. we've been doing it for long enough and it's ingrained in the culture of the company that everything just flows it's an expected case that that water cooler talk goes but people have lots of one-to-one conversations and they'll jump on a quick zoom call and they'll type up some quick notes in slack or they'll document something because a short one-page architecture document and um collaborate on that it just it just functions really um and i think having a company where that culture is ingrained and has been there for multiple years definitely makes a difference for remote working um you know we recruit across particularly the UK, Spain and Germany, a big basis for us recruiting. Um, and, um, you know, there's sort of no issues working from there. We offer WeWork if people want to go and um, work in a co-working space, get some of that um, human interaction. Um, we offer a budget for people to build out their home office and you know, sit-stand desks and um, ergonomic chairs and, and so on. Again, for me, that almost comes as a given that you're going to be working for a big company working on interesting problems. We want our engineers to be happy and just take that out of the equation. Um, You know, you you should be happy where you work. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, David, that's uh, the end of the podcast really today. Um, So now you've covered quite a lot. Hopefully everyone uh, has learned a lot about what you guys do um, and the kind of technologies that are driven behind the business as well. Um, but yeah, um, if anyone has any questions or anything like that, um, I can imagine it might uh, connect with you on LinkedIn or uh, far away to myself so I can pass that through. Um, Brilliant. Just wanted to say thank you for jumping on today um, and uh, obviously explaining um, the business and what the technology is driven behind. So thanks for, thanks for ju- uh, jumping on. Thanks very much for your time, Lloyd.